Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter number 8. Just tell them in the prayer room got an unusual message this morning. I was driving revival Monday night, I believe, or Tuesday. And I was listening to some preaching. And this preacher just referenced this verse. It wasn't what he's preaching on. But he referenced the verse. Gabe was talking to me. And I just stopped him. And I said, knowledge puffeth up. I said, I believe there's a message in that. And we just rode on out the road. And all week long, I've had this, these verses on my mind. And uh, I got roped into working Friday as the resource officer at Mountain Heritage High School so that Fro could go to the lake and lay out a church. Amen. I told him, I said, that's a bad trade. I'm working for you so you go lay out a church. I don't know. But anyway, he, don't, he, he, he just vacating and he ain't laying out. He don't, he don't hardly ever miss. But uh, So I had some time and I sat down there in that little office, off the little law enforcement office there in Mountain Heritage and I just started running these references, reading these things and suddenly the more I looked at it, the bigger it got. And uh, so I'm going to preach a little bit. I have these first four verses of 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge, but knowledge puffeth up. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity, charity edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth Nothing, yet as he opened up. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. As concerning therefore the eating of those things that are offered and sacrificed unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there's none other God but one. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, this morning that you'd bless in the service time. Lord, you know what needs to be done today. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd lead, guide, and direct in everything that's said and done. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd just receive the glory out of the service this morning because if you get the glory, if you get the glory, everybody will get help. Do that now as only you can, and we'll thank you for all that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to uh, preach a little bit this morning on that. Uh, the difference between being puffed up and built up. Paul said there, he said, knowledge puffeth up, but charity, that is love, edifieth. That word edifies means to build up. So the difference between being puffed up and build up. Now, I want to lay a little groundwork this morning about what Paul's talking about. What is he talking about? These eating of meats that are offered to idols. Well, uh, if you think about Corinth during this time, the Middle East uh, during the first century had been totally invaded by paganism. They had uh, 500 gods. As a matter of fact, when Paul was in Athens, it was said of the Greeks in Athens that you could easier find a statue of a god than you could a living human being. 
And I mean, uh, just in Athens alone, hundreds upon hundreds of statues of various gods. And so it was, uh, Brother Josh, that if you wanted to, if you were wanting to fall in love, that you'd pray to Athena. If a woman wanted a child, she'd pay, pray to Haria. If they wanted protection out on the sea, they would cry out to Poseidon. And the list went on and on and on. And there was the, a belief in these days, Brother Allen, that the pagans believed that demons were everywhere. And they were trying to enter your body. And one of the chief ways they believed that demons could get in your body was to eat cursed meat. And if you ate meat that had been cursed by a demon, then that demon would get in your body. something right now. One of the number one things that's a matter with our world is there's, it's out of balance. There's no balance. It seems like, Brother Neil, that people get off on this side. They can't nobody drive down the middle no more. If you get off on the right side, you end up in the ditch and you're in the right-hand ditch. And then if you get off on the left side, you go off in the left-hand ditch. It seems like there's nobody that has any balance in their lives anymore. And I mean, that's, uh, that's nationally. I mean, there's no moderates anymore in the... Uh, there's no moderates. I think my battery went dead. There's no moderates anymore politically. Everything's got to be one extreme or the other. There's no... There's no uh, you know, in, in, in religious world, you either got to be crazy, crazy liberal or you got to be off on the right-hand ditch where, you know, everything's a sin but one good cold drink of water. 
And what Paul said is, we've got to find the middle ground. We've got to have some balance. And here's what he said. He said, it's good to have knowledge, but knowledge don't do any, any good unless you mix it with love and charity. And that brings you to the place that you ought to be. I've always wanted Concord Baptist Church to be a church that has balance. I, I've never wanted us to run off in the ditch on either side. I've always thought we ought to be a church. Now, I'm not talking about riding the fence. That's not what I'm talking about. I believe right's right and wrong's wrong. Amen. Uh, there's some things we ought to stand for, but there's areas in which we've got to find balance if we want to make a difference out in the world. Uh, so I just want us to think about this morning the difference in being puffed up uh, and uh, being built up. By the way, Paul ended up agreeing with that bunch that said, just go buy the meat and eat it. Because he said, them idols are nothing. We know there's only one God in this world. So it don't matter if that meat has been offered to false idols or not. Now, I'm going to make a statement right here, and I hope I don't upset anybody, but it's just the truth. You know, every now and again, something will come along, and we'll say, well, let's just boycott everything. Uh, you know, let's not shop at Amazon, let's not shop at Walmart, let's not eat at, you know, this place, let's not buy these vacuum cleaners in the list. If we go with all of that, youngins, all we're going to own is my pillows and nothing else. Amen. And it, hey, it's hard to eat a my pillow. I, they don't fix up much nice at all. It, it, they don't taste good even fresh out of the oven. So, uh, you know, it may be that Amazon don't line up with everything I believe. But we live in this present world, you see, and it's kind of like this, this meat offered to idols. Occasionally, you have to interact. Am, am I preaching? Is this all right? This is practical preaching. But occasionally, you do have to interact, right? And so you can't just drop so far off on the right hand that you quit everything. Well, bless goodness, I'm just going to lock myself up in the house and starve to death. But instead, what you've got, it's like this meat offered to idols. Paul said that... What they're offering that, that ain't nothing, no way. That, there's nothing to that. Uh, and so he said, go ahead and you can eat that meat. But he emphasized here a balance between knowledge and charity. So let's, let's dive into it. Number one, can I say to you that knowledge must first be tempered by love? Now, it's a great thing to have knowledge. And as a matter of fact, both of these outfits on each side of this argument would have argued that they had knowledge. On one side, that wasn't much of pagans that said, listen here, we know about paganism and you don't want anything to do with it. Bless goodness, y'all just don't know. And on the other side of that, that other crowd that said, look here, we know about Christian liberty and you don't know anything, you don't know what you're talking about. So both sides had knowledge. But now let me tell you what knowledge will do to you if you're not careful. You say, well, knowledge is always good. It's always good to have spiritual knowledge. It's always good. To, but there's a peril in that, in that it can cause a hindrance rather than a help if it puffs you up with pride. You ever seen a Christian that knew so much about the Bible, they look down on their nose at everybody else? Come on now, y'all have seen them. Y'all have seen We've went to church with them. Amen. Uh, puffed up with pride. Well, I know everything. Don't nobody else know nothing. 
You see, when you allow knowledge to begin to puff you up, there's a peril in that. I, I'd rather, I'd rather stay ignorant as to be smart and proud of it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so, Paul said, knowledge will puff you up. Knowledge will make you feel like you're better than other people. Knowledge, if you don't temper it with love, will begin to run out of control and you'll feel superior to other folks and that's never the will of God. So that knowledge that we have in God has got to be tempered with charity or tempered with love. Now I want you to think about this. There's the peril in the untempered knowledge, but then there's the pain in the untempered knowledge. Look at the word. Look at the words that Paul uses. He said, knowledge puffeth up. Now, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Is there ever a circumstance where being called puffy is a compliment? I can't think of a circumstance. I, I racked my brain the other day and I said, is it a, ever a good thing to be called puffy? Now, I mean, if you go to the gym every day, sometimes you want to be called swalt. But that's different than puffy. Puffy is never a compliment. If you say, if you walk up to somebody and they go, wow, you look puffy today. You're not going to say thank you. <laughs> that is not a compliment. Puffy is not. And then I got thinking about what kind of things will cause you to be puffy. Just in the natural realm. So I, I got to look it up. You know what causes puffiness in a human being? Well, infection. Infection will cause puffiness. Certain heart diseases will cause puffiness. Uh, having an injury, having an injury will cause puffiness. And you know what else causes puffiness? Death. Not everything that grows is living. Now, just think about this. You ever seen, blow my house for the last two weeks, we've had an old coon that got run over. And that thing got bigger and bigger. Every day the sun got on it. Y'all ain't going to eat lunch until I get done it. Every day the sun got on it, that thing swelled up. That didn't mean it's alive. It's swelling though. <laughs> There's a lot of churches, I don't think they're growing, I believe they're swelling. Amen. That old coon, he'd swell and he'd swell. He got puffy. Well, I got to thinking about pride and how that pride puffs, how that pride puffs you up. And how that spiritual pride will bring infection into the church and a disease of the spiritual heart cause injury to the others and bring death to a congregation. I tell you, it's a killer. Spiritual pride is a killer. And Paul said you got to temper that with love for God and love for your fellow man. That way you don't get puffed up with pride. And I'm telling you, I cut my spiritual teeth. Running with the holier-than-thou crowd, brother. And I'm telling you, I run with them. And I was convinced that you couldn't, they couldn't nobody do nothing right except me and that other little group of preachers we was running with. And boy, we'd fly high. If they wasn't up, But you know what? I got burnt out with that crowd. And I thought the, re I thought the reason I got burnt out with them is because they had all them convictions and they wanted to put them on everybody. But you know what really, I've, I've studied on that over the years. You know what really got me burnt out with that bunch? It wasn't their convictions. and it, What it was was their pride. 
Because they were so holy, they were so stinking proud of it, and they wanted to bully everybody else into doing every little thing that they wanted done. Come on now, I'm just preaching. And a lot of it, you couldn't prove it in the Bible. And it was a pride issue. And, and looking back on it, I realize that now is why I burnt out with that bunch is because there was a pride issue. Now, don't get me wrong. I love good old independent, fundamental, premillennial, thank God King James Bible preaching. I'm one through and through and to the bone. But when it comes to this stuff of being proud and running roughshod over everybody and trying to, uh, trying to dictate every little thing in everybody's life uh, and then being offended like you're God, if they don't, I'm telling you, God ain't within a million miles of that. Uh, Hey, 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 that's spiritual pride. And Paul said the only cure for it is to temper it with charity. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, I've been preaching 20. If the Lord lets me live till, uh, if the Lord lets me live till Easter next year, I'll be having pastored here 25 years. And I'm getting to that point in my ministry, Brother Neil. Used to, I'd have been afraid to preach the message like this. Because I'd be afraid I'd get labeled liberal. But I, if I've not proved what I am in 25 years, come on now. If I've not proved what I am, then I don't know what it takes to prove it. <laughs> Amen. I'm to the point in my ministry where I'm going to preach it if hair lips everybody in town. So I'm going to tell you, you've got to temper knowledge. If you, you want to be a bully and force everything on everybody, then don't, hey, don't be surprised when you don't have any impact. But I'm going to tell you, you can take knowledge in the things of God uh, and a broken heart and a loving heart uh, and tears in your eyes uh, and help people with the knowledge that you've got. That is the intent of God. Uh, knowledge puffeth up. up uh, but charity, hey, charity edifies and it builds up. Now watch this. The prescription for untempered knowledge the prescription is to temper that thing with charity or love. So, when we deal with scriptural knowledge, it ought to, our first instinct ought to always be love. There's people that are going to be in our church that are going to know less about spiritual things than I do or that you do. But when you go and try to bully them or force them or belittle them or talk about them, you're doing them no good and you're doing you no good. But if you'll go to them in a spirit of love to help them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you'll go with them in a spirit of love to help them and temper that knowledge that you've got and help them along in love. Now I'm going to tell you a real mark of spiritual maturity is when a believer is knowledgeable in God's word. But they don't struggle with arrogance or selfishness or a lack of love over it. In other words, a mark of immaturity is when a man knows a bunch about the Bible, but then he uses it as a bully tool, try to force everybody else to act just like he's acting. There's things, Brother Marvin, that I ain't going to, that I just don't do. There's things I don't do personally, okay? Things I... And if I got up here and hammered every, every service, everything I don't do, <laughs> all I'd be doing is trying to make a bunch of Bradley robots, and they ain't nobody wants no Bradley robots, because one is probably too many on this planet. 
right? I don't wear short breeches, but I don't fall out people do. You don't wear short breeches, wear short breeches. If you can get by with it, I ain't got no problem with that. Wear your short breeches as long as they ain't shorty shorts and don't wear them to church, but <laughs> them shorty shorts, we don't want, ain't nobody got time for that. I don't, I don't, personally, that ain't me, but I ain't getting up here and preaching, you know, 10 reasons why not wear short breeches. You see what I'm saying? So, it's not my job to try to bully you into being just like me. Huh? And it's not your job to try to bully other people into being what you think they ought to be. And so, but let's be honest, how much of that goes on in churches? A ton in the independent Baptist movement. I'm telling you, I preach a lot of places. Last last year I preached over 30 meetings and I'm going to tell you that it goes on, whether we say it does or not, it goes on. And I'm going to make a statement right here. Some of you won't like it, but that'd be all right. Little old women are the worst. That's good preaching. They're the worst. Forget about it. You want to talk about preachers? They ain't got nothing on little old ladies. Huh? Hey, listen. Listen, I get messages on Facebook about how people's dressed at our church because they see it online. They don't even come here. I saw so-and-so had a skirt on that was too small. I just want you to... I'm thinking, good Lord. God, help us. Let me do the pastoring, okay? I'm, I'm just simply saying... And then, hey... Oh, I got a little, it got a little rough right there. So I like when you hit a, when you hit a stump, sometimes you just drop a plow on deep and hit her again until she comes up. Hey, I'm going to tell you, these little old ladies, they'll look and they say, well, you know, it ain't no act like that, it ain't no do that. And you may be right, but your attitude ain't no better than the way they're dressed. Amen. Come on now. We want, hey, if you love somebody, try to help them. Don't just tear them down and try to talk about them, run them in the ground. Try to help them. So that knowledge that you have has to be tempered by love. Because knowledge puffed up, but charity, what does it do? Edify. So number one, number one, knowledge must be tempered by love. Number two, Knowledge must be taught in love. Now watch this. These Christians that were puffed up, when you're puffed up, you find it hard to teach the weaker brethren. And instead, like I said, you want to bully them. But here's the thing. Number one, you should think about the power of the spirit of meekness. Here's what Paul said in the book of Galatians. He said, if you see your, over, your brother overtaken in a fault, gossip about him. No, that's not what it said. Oh, I remember what it said. If you see your brother overtaken in a fault, run him down. No, that's not what it said. It said, if you see your brother overtaken in a fault, you either the spiritual restore such a one. How? In a spirit of meekness. Meekness. So that means 
If you're going to deal with somebody else's problem, Brother Billy, first, you've got to figure out a way to be meek about it. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've struggled with that over the years. Y'all know me? I'm a bull in a china shop, son. I'm telling you, I run in and turn everything over. As a young preacher, my philosophy was, you know, blood, guts on the wall, kick them as they're limping out the door. Bless goodness, if they come back from Sunday night for more, that's their fault. They hadn't ordered to have come back. So I'm going to hit them again, rough them up. But the, I'm telling you, age has taught me a lot about people. And you know what I've found? You catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. And I can be nice to somebody and try to approach it in a night, and it don't always work. Sometimes it still makes people mad. The best you can do, sometimes it still makes people mad. But you're going to do better more times, Gabe, with a spirit of meekness than not. So there's the power. There's this power in dealing with it in a spirit of meekness. But then watch this. There's this principle of self-consideration in that same verse. Put up Galatians 6.1, Rachel, so we can see it. Galatians 6.1. In that same verse where Paul said, if you see your brother overtaken in a fault, ye that are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Look what it says next. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. That's what the Bible said. So the Bible said, that could be you. That could be you that don't know how to act. That could be you that don't know how to dress. That could be you that's in a mess in their life. That could be you. Before you get too hyped up, before you get your nose stuck up in the air, look in the mirror. It could be you. You're no better than anybody else. You've not reached some kind of spiritual perfection. It could be me that's in a mess. And consider yourself before you go trying to help anybody else. Look what it said. Consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Better watch running your mouth. Because that stuff has a way of coming home to roost. Stuff has a way of coming home to roost. And you know how I know it's roosted at my house a few times. Because I've run my mouth about things and then paid for it by it roosting back at my house. So Paul said, you better be careful. Consider yourself. You're not all that. There ain't nobody in here a lick better than nobody else. Not a single person. At times people struggle, but if it wasn't for the grace of God, that'd be you struggling, and it may be you struggling for the week's over. So you better not get all high and mighty and spiritually looking down your nose at somebody else because everybody else, everybody in here lives in this same old filthy rotten world and we all face the same trouble and we all have the same problems. Uh, and if right now you're walking with God and where you ought to be, you ought to say hallelujah and try to help some of them others uh, that are struggling along life's way because that might be you before the week's over. You know what a mark of a real friend is? Real friend is somebody that still loves you even when life is a mess for you. If it came out on you this week that you had committed some terrible sin, if 
that come out on you and it's made public, how many people would still be your friend next week? That's who your real friends are. Paul said, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So if we're going to teach spiritual knowledge, if we're going to impart things about God, it's got to be in a spirit of meekness. It's got to be with a self-consideration. But then it's got to be patient. You know, People don't turn things around overnight. And we'd all like to, you know, go to one time, talk to somebody and try to lead them in the right direction, them turn it around, bless goodness, and get... But that ain't how life works. Sometimes, if you want to be a spiritual teacher to somebody, it takes patience. Because you're going to get them a little way, and then they're going to get back, and then you're going to get them a little way, and then they're going to go off this way, and then you're going to get them a little way, and they're going to go off that way. And so you've got to be committed to it day after day and week after week. What we need at Concord Baptist Church is some of y'all that know the Word of God. And there's a lot of you in here that know the Word of God. A lot of you. A lot of you. To say, Lord, help me teach that in the spirit of love. I've heard preaching... Listen to me. I've heard preaching some of the greatest preaching. I mean, great. Everything about it was doctrinally sound. It was, if you know, hermeneutically correct. Everything about it was right. But they, the preacher was mattering a, a wet hen, and it, he did it in the wrong spirit. And it just it wasn't no good. Because his spirit was wrong the way he did. Let me give you one more thing. I'm going to give an altar call. One more. Knowledge must be transformed by love. What do you mean? Well, when you have knowledge warmed by love, it will transform your perception of the Scriptures. Let me show you something right here. If all I've got is cold mechanical knowledge. Now I've met people like that, man. they got knowledge, but it's just cold mechanical knowledge then it don't allow for much spirituality. It's kind of like that guy, you know, these guys that got knowledge about guns that it's just cold and mechanical. That's a nine millimeter. That's the slide. There's the chamber. Just cold and mechanical. And then you meet that guy that's a gun nut. And he's like, oh boy, look at that. And he's got knowledge about that gun too, but he's, war, and boy, he's excited about it. That's the same way we do it, dealing with the things of God. It's good to have knowledge. But when you warm that up with love, see, knowledge will say things like, the next event on God's prophetical counter is the rapture of the church. Then there's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb while the tribulation period is happening here. Then we're coming back on white horses, rule and reign for a thousand years, and have the, have the, uh, have the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's mechanical knowledge. That's good. But see, when you warm that thing with love, you can go all the way over to the book of Genesis. And you can see, hey, you can see Rebecca right. You can see Rebecca coming back up over the hill, and Isaac stepping out of that tent, and hit a picture of Christ in the church. And you can say, "Whoa, glory to God!" There's the church getting raptured out and going to be with their heavenly eyes. All of a sudden, that knowledge that you've amassed when you warm it up with love, it goes to bubbling out of your heart, and it overwhelms, and you get right spiritual about it. You see, that knowledge has to be warmed by love. It'll transform your perception. 
your perception of, of the Savior. But then I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give an altar call. When you warm your knowledge with love, it'll transform your perception of people. I preached up in Mayfield, Kentucky back in June. And the little preacher that's the pastor there, you know, uh, he's just an old country preacher. And he looks like an old country preacher. I, I don't know how else to tell you. He just looks, he looks the part, you know. You know how a lot of them old country preachers carried that pack of Marlboros right here in their pocket? But son had more God on them than a lot of these, new, <laughs> these newfangled preachers. That kind of preacher. He called me on Monday. He said, preacher, I wanted to warn you before you got up here. He said, now I got a bunch of dope heads in my church. He said, it might not look like what you're used to. I said, well, okay. And he was right. We walked in, looked like a Motley Crue concert. When I say tattoos, I mean them homemade kind. You know, them kind that Bubba give, you know. You woke up and went, oh, new tattoo. Look, that's nice. What is it? And them people, the first service, I'm sitting there and I'm going, uh-oh. Because they kept walking in there. And I mean, it. i just looking around going, oh, boy. What have I got myself into? And then they got to singing, and it wasn't exactly like we sing. And Reagan would have died. This is my most conservative child. When I take her to a meeting, it ain't just like an independent Baptist meeting or the base. She goes, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> but I got up to preach, and that bunch went to yelling. Not like, not like shouting, but yelling like a parent would at a ball game when their kid was running a touchdown. Whoa, preacher! Yeah, go preacher, go preacher! And they like to preach my gallbladder out. I never had so much fun preaching in all my life. It's the funnest I've ever... I loved the whole week. By Tuesday, man, I'm running with that bunch. I'm like, Lord, help. And you get to making a good point and half of them be giving you a standing ovation and the other half of screaming and shouting and the few that had been to church and knew how to have church going, hey man, hey man. I mean, it was a pretty good mixture. I told that preacher, I said, you got something going on here. I ain't never seen nothing like it. Never seen nothing like it. First night, I didn't know if I was going to be able to. I, I don't know about this. But you know what I had to do? I had to warm up my old cold Baptist knowledge with a little love. And realize not everybody goes to church like I go to church. Not, not everybody dots their eyes like I dot my eyes. And them people just love Jesus. And I'm, talk, I'm talking about probably 150 people that had been in the gutter. Now, I mean, they'd been in jail, and they'd been in prison. They'd been as low as you could go. They were just glad they weren't, they weren't in the gutter somewhere. They were just glad they were out of the gutter. And, buddy, they didn't know what else to do but just praise the Lord for it. They hadn't been no stuffed-up Baptist church, learned how to have church. Uh, and so they just let it rip. And I had to warm my old cold knowledge up with a little love and get in there and worship with them. Now, I want you to understand something. I'm not talking about heresy. I'm not talking about apostasy. I'm not talking about accepting, you know, something crazy. But I'm just talking about people that love God and believe God that may not worship just exactly like you.
Sometimes what you need to do is just warm your knowledge up a little bit with some love and get in there and say, glory to God anyhow. Hey, glad to be saved. Praise God. Once you warm that knowledge with some love, it'll start changing your perception of people. Here's how you see them. You'll quit seeing them at the end of your nose. That's the way a lot of Baptists get in the habit of looking at everybody. Like this. I'm better. I know more. I've arrived and they've not. But instead, you'll start seeing yourself. You'll start saying, that could be me. I've done that bad, just don't nobody know about it. Paul said, if all you've got is knowledge, you'll get puffed up. That does nobody, it's never a compliment. It's never a good thing to be puffy. But if you'll take that knowledge and you'll put with it charity, then it'll work together to edifying. And then everybody can get built upon. Wouldn't it be good this morning at the Concord Baptist Church if some of us say, Lord, You've given me knowledge. Now give me love to apply it. You've given me knowledge. Now let me have charity so that I don't puff up with it. Let's stand our feet. Father, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you've given us to preach. As much as I know, Lord, just delivered the word of God the way you said for this morning. I pray that you'd help folks, Lord, to receive it, that it'd be a blessing to them. Well, thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Some have already moved toward the altar. You might need to come. You say, preacher, I don't ever want to look down my nose. I don't ever want to feel better. Sometimes my knowledge, I just need to put some charity in with it and try to help some people. I want to be a help to people.